the Shop Maniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, the Vacation Edition. I'm Dave uh, in the shed, back in the shed, reprinting with me is Chris in the booth, just for right now. Corey, Chris, what's going on? Nothing. Hanging out. Doing good. Yeah, we uh, feel like this is our one day of overlap. We're a little, we're ships passing the night as the metaphors go. You're back. I'm leaving next week. But we found time to do this show because of you, dear listeners. We dear like listeners, you. we we wanted to hang out with you, keep shipping that consistent content. But uh, yeah, it's uh, summer's hard, you know, and then and then it turns into fall, Chris, and then fall yeah. because it's like conference season, right? But who knows if we're having conference season this this year? But I'm ready. Uh, I tell you what, really, I just think I just have so many memories of like friends I made that ended up being like pretty good. Like even though even if they're just industry friends, like I know we don't like share our emotional things together, like perhaps real super close friends do. Not me. I'm not talking about me and you. I'm talking about people I've met along the way. You know. Yeah. But I still like me them. and they're Tim. Still Cadillac, a part of my life. You know? <laughs> TK. Yeah. I'm doing a stream with him in a week or two. Like oh, he's nice. he's got a Twitch stream. Do you know that? I, not to make you jealous. Oh, I know you like. I know. I'm freaking jealous, dude. Uh, we can talk about my Twitch plans later. Uh, but yeah, no, he has the uh, web uh, web page test. Uh, yeah, they stream, just decided right? to go all in on this streaming thing and do like a really good job. So right out of the gate, their streams are really like high quality and a good niche because I don't know that there's a lot of other like performance specific streams out there, but theirs is like real good. Because Tim's well, the man, and web page test k- kicks butt. So, and it's a cool thing because it's it's, I mean, it's as close as we get to a mystery here in in web development. Uh, you know, like you right. run a test and you're like, oh, that's weird. Why a serious forty two seconds. Yeah, it's yeah. a who done it, right? And so, like, I don't know. You, you could you can have a lot of fun just digging in, and and it's something you kind of have to see somebody do before it all clicks, you know? Like, yeah, like a yeah. Performance dig in, like yeah. Good luck oh, on man. profiling just by self learning. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Like you don't just run web page test, look at that waterfall, and have instant comprehension of all your life's problems. You have to have either four hundred blog posts or a guru or somebody explain it to you, and so. I think that's a great medium for that, you know, just like, here's, here's how you do it. Just run it through. Yeah. And if you consistently watch it, I mean, you're basically on training for that job because it's a job these days that perf stuff, you know, even if people don't recognize it internally yet, at some point, somebody's going to be like, why is our website slow? I guess we're going to have to hire somebody to investigate and that will be you. I, so Harry Roberts, um, I don't know if he's published this or not, but I saw a tweet and he was like, I have a list of way list of things you have to do. The order in which you have to lay out your head of your Java or of your HTML, like whether that's like, you know, scripts and meta and whatever, like he has an order to make it the most efficient. Cause otherwise if you put whatever a script before a style tag, boom, you nuked it, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be that simple, but then there's all this minutia, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That 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 stuff is hard. It's not even just reading the waterfalls and then knowing what you can schmurf around, like, without causing harm. It's just, it's tricky stuff. And, and making people's lives worse, you know? it's My thing's always, like, 
oh, you can, you need, we need to fix images. You know, it's like, well, cool. Uh, do you want to upload all the images over again? Or do I need to do that? You know, like, uh, or, or do you have to invent source set uh, for every single image on the site? Or is that my job? You know? So there's all that, that stuff. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I would love to see that, uh, people get into that and, I don't know best best practices or what sort. Totally. My God, you could be an image specialist in, at at the right company these I'm days. Not Christopher Coyer. I'm <laughs> so I'm not kidding. We need to get Addy Osmani on the show. So uh, yeah. the wonderful folks at Smashing Magazine uh, uh, sent over a copy to me of the Image Optimization Book by Addy Osmani. Right. It's thick, man. It is. <sighs> capital all caps thick and and it's just amazing it's also just like incredible like the the layout and stuff that uh re styles did is like very just like yeah i don't know it feels very good like blog post it's very comfortable read you know um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but it's thick and it has a lot of image images in the image book of course right like i didn't know that's what re was doing yeah yeah um, kind of helping with smashing books. Um, so anyway, the, the, like it, it's, it's, it's a book, like literally it's a 400 page book on image optimization. That's it. That's wow. that. Wow. Like, wow. So it's image optimization and, and meaning how the final answer to what images can be like on your website, it doesn't just mean like throw it through tiny PNG or whatever. Like there's that, yeah. all that stuff which is very, very complicated into its own right, but also, of course, all the responsive images stuff, all lazy loading, all the other attributes you got to put on it, what's practical and what's not, what's when you use source set versus picture. I'm sure all that's in there. It's, it's the most complicated thing ever. Sometimes I think of like why, how positively people feel about um, machinery that does it for you. You know, I know a lot of praise gets thrown at 11D image because it's like the one that checks every single box you can check as far as image usage. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of check boxes to check. But Gatsby image gets a, some praise too because it d- does some cool stuff. I see that, you know, I happen to be in the Astro Discord. You know, I'm all hot on that Astro framework lately. They've been working on it too because I think they see that in the water that like you might choose a framework because of it. it if nothing else, just for the image handling, because it does so much. I love the idea of as a user, what I do is I take a big gnarly screenshot on my stupid Mac that makes 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 every screenshot like 18 megabytes big, right? Because it just could care less about performance. <laughs> and that's what I upload. That's what I use. I don't even care. And then And then computers do everything else resize it optimize it lazy load it you know do all the cpu definitely the future proof way because old dave rupert got a 4k monitor and i regret some decisions but you know i don't know it's what you know the web is a time capsule so there's going to be old bad looking stuff so i don't really care but like yeah i mean literally the best strategy is i'm going to just hot link to a 29 megabyte image figured out computers. That's like the best strategy. I feel like, you know, I agree. I agree. So, you got to outsource this stuff these days. There's too much to get wrong. Well, I was reading a Jake Archibald post about image optimization. He uh-huh. posted this other day and he was like, did you know resize observer and intersection observer don't self destroy? You have to manually like clean it up. And I was like, what? Cause I've, 
absolutely cause some memory leaks there, but I think it's getting patched and fixed in different browsers and stuff like that now, but it was such a surprise. But anyway, so I'm on his blog, like I need to find more information, but you know, he, he, uh, you know, the reason I knew that is cause I, I used a, I need, yeah. Okay. So you have a div and you put resize both on it in CSS, right? Do you think mm-hmm. you get on resize events with that or not? Yes or no. So say that one more time. You have a div. Yeah. And you and put you like put, overflow hidden and then, cause you have to have that as a prerequisite. And then you put resize both. So you like a text area, you get the little mm-hmm. jigger in the mm-hmm. bottom right yeah, corner you and you can resize it. You don't get nothing. Yeah, you you get nothing. Unlike the browser window, which you get on resize at least, you do not get that on a div. Guess what you use? Resize observer, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's, I was looking up how to, like, you know, just nice ways to do it in React. And somebody, of course, published their React hook on resize observer or use resize or use resize observer or something. And I was looking mm-hmm. at the code and it's pretty clean. It was pretty good. And in the, in it, they clean up after themselves, like on an unmount, essentially. They use a use effect kind of thing they remove the intersection observer, which was, I was like, really? You know, like, why bother? Why don't you just let it get ripped out of the DOM? Who cares, you know? But like you said, it's because it's a memory leak otherwise. I just, yeah, I, it's so wild to me. I, I just, there's so, so what did so Jake weird. really say though? What did you? Oh, sorry. Well, so he was, you know, talking about images or he had a post on images or something or somebody accused him of, uh, but it's half the si- half the size of images by optimizing for high density displays. Uh, but he basically is kind of doing. Like Isn't a, it the old a, Dave Rupert one point five x and screw it technique? It's basically that. <laughs> that in twenty eleven. Yeah. Um, but it's. Uh, but anyway, it's two x quality at like forty four was sort of what he was saying. But you know, but but I think heavily. heavily uh, leveraging, um, uh, like stuff like, like, uh, AVIF, which is a really good, you know, format. So, uh, anyway, it just got me thinking about images again and just how, how to load them. And cause I'm very right. much in the, like, I want the easiest free way to load images <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and I don't want to write sizes and source set. I bless the people who came up with that stuff, but it's not my favorite. So no, I mean, that's, um, you know, WordPress just gives it to you out of the box, man. You just upload it. You know, it does all the source set sizing stuff, blasts it all on there. And then you turn Jetpack on and then it, and then it uh, CDN hosts them too. But it, you know, even then it's a little tricky. You know, one of the things that complicates the crap out of this, I wonder if it's even in, in Addy's book is that what's tempting to do is say like, okay, take this image and make five sizes of it. Here's the five sizes that I think are right. That is not the most optimal thing you can do. Really computers get super involved in the creation of those sizes and make tons of different ones and analyze how well that image is compressing and what different sizes make the most sense. So depending on the content of the image, all the, the different sizes that it makes and the different breakpoints that ultimately then belong in source set are different on every single image that you upload. That's, that's, that sucks. You know, like it's not, it's good because that's just the nature of technology or whatever. But that means that even your best automation techniques are probably not as good as they could be. Yeah. Well, and that even for me, I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm going to punt and I'm going back to like mobile tablet desktop sizes, you know, like, yeah, that's I mean, that's just, pretty good. It's more than 90% of the web is. Yeah, tiny. like 
I cut the mustard there and then I guess I can optimize later, but man, unless I have like a very cool aspect ratio flip that needs to happen, I'm yeah. that's probably the best place to start. So that's cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, no. people, the, the reality is there's shortcuts that must be taken in order to do to just to get your job done. And that's the, that's the deal. This episode of Shop Talk Show was brought to you in part by Gather. Gather is so cool. It's a really innovative, interesting way to bring social experiences uh, to remote experiences. So it looks like a video game. It's like a top-down thing. You have an avatar. You use the arrow keys to literally walk around, and there's different layouts, like a cozy office or a bigger office or, you know, even the onboarding. You start on a little desert island. It's so cute. Uh, But the point is you can, like, walk up to other people, and then you're talking to them as if you're literally video conferencing with them, which you are and then if you're done with that you like you walk away and maybe you go to your desk and you hang out at your desk which is then private you know but it's like so it's like a way to like kick off meetings and 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 do the conferencing you need to do with people which god knows i do all day every day uh but have it just be like more fun and more casual and i think you'll find that the conversations then can become more organic like if somebody's hanging out in the break room it's just a clear way of signaling like hey come hang out with me and why not that's an organic thing to happen that just happens that that wouldn't happen any other way you know it's not like you're on slack and you're like i am eating lunch now please join this slack with me like i just find that that stuff doesn't happen so much uh but it would in this world where you're basically in this little cute video game all day so it's fun but it's real too like this is actually for communicating with actual people probably the primary use case being work you know you you have people that you work with this is the way to talk to each other and do real work but also you know it's like bring that in real life spirit to not actually being in real life, which would be awesome for remote teams. I think this is incredibly cool. It's free up to 25 people. So it's like you have plenty of opportunity to check this out and try it with a fairly large team uh, anyway, which is cool. And it's not, it's, I think it's great that it's for work. I think that makes sense as a primary use case, but it could be anything. Could be people use it for your happy hours, for game nights with friends and literal conferences can be fun with this. Can you imagine going to a virtual conference? This is totally the way I would want to do it. Amazing. So gather.town slash shop talk or follow the link in our show notes to check out gather. You've got to see it. Gosh, we got to Addy from the thing. I'm trying to go backwards in time because we lose the plot sometimes on how we get to places. We were talking about streaming with Tim. I also did yes. a, I haven't even done it yet. I'll let you know how it goes. But I you I did a a screencast with Chris Sev. Remember that he's scotch.io, scotch oh, got, yeah. scotch yeah. got snapped up by DigitalOcean. So he's at DigitalOcean right now. So we do this screencast together about app platform on DigitalOcean, which is pretty cool. It's like, it's like, you know, deploy from Git action, but like for your Python site or, you know, you know, like for backend languages as well as Jamstacky stuff. Pretty cool. And then you like make a project and then you can just like slap a database on it too as a component, which is like, holy crap, you know, now we have these like static sites with if a node server, if you need one and a database server, if you need one and stuff, it's a pretty compelling little thing. So we, we put together this quick little website that, um, is static except for that each post has a like button on it. And so the like button is like 
needs to be data backed. You know, there needs to be a database for that. So throw that together and we use Prisma. Have you ever used it? I am using it. Uh, and yeah, I like it quite a bit. We can, I could talk a whole lot about it, but yeah, yeah. we can skip it. Like yeah, it's yeah. not what to me, it was like a new, I hadn't not, I hadn't really used it before. It's not your database. The database is still in this case was on DigitalOcean. The, it's just like a way to talk to that database, kind of like Rails Active Record or whatever. It doesn't even care yeah. what kind of database it is. You just like write these helper methods and it just makes sure all the, you, you know, the SQL gets written correctly or whatever else. Yep. Pretty, yep. pretty compelling. Uh, we use Next.js on the front end and stuff. It was all that fun. But what I wanted to say is that we, to record the video, we use StreamYard. As Dave and I talk right now, you know, we've done, we've used different technology over the years. We're in Riverside FM. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I know. But StreamYard is in the same kind of category. And I just found it to be really compelling software in how it's like incredible how little user interface there is in the app. It's like nothing. They like, it's like the most minimal app I've ever seen. And then you spin up a little studio like you do in Riverside here get your streaming person in there as you share screens and stuff, it composes the screen for you in a way that you'd expect to see on something like Twitch, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is compelling to me because sometimes at the end of doing a shared screencast, you're like, okay, now I have to edit and that's going to take all day because I need to do all my screen composition stuff. Then this is like pre-composed streams but then it's called StreamYard. we didn't use it for stream we just recorded the video you know just because i'm going to put it on youtube and whatever you can use it that way but of course i think most people use it literally for twitch or youtube live or whatever because two clicks and you got the dang thing connected to to twitch and now all of a sudden you you're a freaking streamer out there and you yeah, don't have it's not as complicated as what's the really complicated like local software OBS. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and like one thing it kind of does, and I like, uh, I've looked at all this stuff quite a bit, but like the, like OBS is cool and you can switch between streams or scenes is what they call them. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like maybe it's one where it's just my face, you know, just chatting the scene and then like, oh, there's me coding. And so then it's like my face next to a, a uh, text editor or what maybe it's a whole desktop cuz I want to share a browser and a code editor and then maybe there's a gaming one where it's just the game screen you know right, like right, not right. my face is goes doesn't go to the side it overlays or something like that anyway, but these are cool cuz it'll like do that but it can also like transition and you can have other people in real easy and like you know other people's desktops and stuff like that so you could be like side by side desktop with like heads in the corners and you could be like, you know, whatever code challenging or something like that. I don't know, but like there's, it's cool. It's a cool space. Anyway, that's what I want to say. So Riverside FM is, is pretty cool here too. Like uh, it feels like a dependable recording studio. If that makes sense, you know, yeah. it's, like it's maybe like less like streamy bells and whistles, but you know, it's uh it's cool. I think they, they, did they add composition? If not, it's coming soon to video. So it really seems like this company, when, uh, cause we used it from early days ish, you know, we watch all the features. They've been really responsive to what people actually need in the thing and they build it and it's gotten a lot more professional over time and the design's gotten a lot better. I had a moment where I almost got really mad at them because we recorded one of these and my, 
upload didn't finish and I left it there like overnight and it still wasn't finished. And I was like, this is obviously broken and you've literally ruined a podcast. It's like the one thing that you have, you can't screw up, you know? And so I had to close the tab and, you know, like whatever, I guess we'll suffer the consequences. But I was kind of like waiting for their support, you know, and trying to hit them up on Twitter and I'll ultimately found on their site. I'm not sure I ever did hear back, which is a little bit of a strike actually, now that I think of it. But I found they built this tool and it's kind of like a recover your crap URL on Riverside FM. And what it does is it like scours through your local storage and stuff. I'm not sure where this data goes, but it is temporarily stored like in browser accessible storage. And it's like, oh, here, I found one that didn't fully upload. Boop, 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 done. You know, so they apparently problems can happen, but they built componentry you know, part of their software to recover from problems that works pretty well, which I definitely came from, you know, customers being like, where's, where's my stuff? I know you're keeping it locally. Why can't I get it? I was in there in Chrome dev tools, trying to dig around in storage to see if I could find it myself. Cause you know, it's worth that kind of troubleshooting. I'll be damned if I'm going to invite people back on the show to be like, Oh, we lost your stuff. Yeah. You, it, like, yeah, you can't, and you can't redo magic. You know what I mean? Like, right. you don't, and that's sort of the bummer about these online tools. And, and I've used Zencaster and I've recorded, you know, co- getting close to maybe a hundred episodes of a side quest in, in Zencaster, but we've lost like two or three, you know, like, yeah. and you just don't know. Or I had to like, you know, panic download MP3s and stitch it together myself, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And Worst case is you did it over Zoom and you got the backup there and the quality sounds like you're in a tin can. Yeah. So so these tools are very, very cool. But yeah, the, the risk is so tough. You know, I'm, we all know how cl- easy it is to close a browser window and how easy it is to just, I don't know, uh, right. exit out of something. So uh, anyway, I, I'm, I'm rambling, but I, I think it's it's a cool area because especially it's stuff like the, the um, uh, I'm blanking with StreamYard. you know, I think you can do some cool stuff. Like you can, I, I've long wanted it to do like online meetups or something. And maybe that's a space like shop talk here goes into or something like that. Maybe like we do like meetups, you know, just two people, 30 minute talks. And then we say goodbye, everybody, you know, like that would mm-hmm. be kind of cool. Like, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'd be kind of curious uh, if that there's demand for that. I think, you know, maybe there was in the pandemic, but I'll be honest, I was literally just getting by. So <laughs> was it like, let me start up a whole new venture here. So anyway, cool stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Questions. Thomas, Michael Semler writes in, oh, I thought he was a little, a little sad, I think about, you know, kind of the state of the industry and stuff. And I think, I think maybe, sorry to tailwind people, kind of tailwind maybe pushed him over the edge a little bit. You know, he says, doesn't want to throw oil onto the tailwind fire, but uh, he mainly just writes HTML, CSS, and presentational JavaScript. Feels good at that skill set. But nowadays, organizations just aren't looking for that anymore. Like, how often do you see a job that just says, looking for CSS person? You know, not a, not really a thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're looking for JavaScript developers, essentially. Like, that's big. 
And, you know, I'll even see a job posting that's like JavaScript developer with Tailwind, you know, and as me and you were talking about this and they're like, they're kind of looking for a twofer, you know, they're looking for people that kind of, yeah, they think, they think they figured out the magic spell, the set of words that gets them a twofer one. So, yeah. So front of the front end, you know, we've used that term a bunch kind of being consumed in a way by back of the front end there's just more of them or that's more in demand or whatever and thomas essentially feels betrayed that being a you know let's say your skill set is html css and presentable chase angels javascript he's like maybe we should stop telling people that's enough because it's not enough yeah um i don't know i kind of feel you i think that kind of sucks too because like of the people that I, i feel like are actually truly wonderfully great at those things i like them you know i'm like you are a valuable person and i don't want to tell you that you're not but i also can't promise you that if that's all you have on your resume or that's all you talk about in interviews that you're going to actually get that job because you know there's a decent chance you don't sorry yeah you know um thomas has a lot of anger directed towards tailwind um i i mean you know i think listeners of the show know like I've used tailwind. I have tailwind projects. Um, it's not my favorite, but as far as utility CSS libraries go, it's pretty good. And the ability to clean out the utilities you're not using is actually super good. Um, I think like what we're seeing is either a shift or an over correction or an over reliance, you know, on, on some piece of technology. And I don't know (laughs) when, when I was, saw this question come in, I I had a billion thoughts, you know, like, I think I understand it from the, like, it feels like my whatever decades of CSS knowledge are just getting wiped out by this framework. I understand that it's not because like, there's going to be good and bad tailwind people and the good tailwind people probably know how CSS works, you know, like it's just CSS classes, basically, you know, um, CSS properties in class names. Um, Right. That said, uh, you know, and I, man, so many thoughts, but then the, the other thought I had was like, I, I think when our industry does this, like, it's just like, Oh, what Facebook uses react react is cool. Cool. Everyone's using react everyone. You need react, you know, like there's big shifts here and it feels like if it's not your thing, if it's not your cup of tea, if it's not what you like or don't use or never got the time to learn or use like, you can feel left behind. I've felt that before for sure. I think like there, I think though you have to understand your stuff has value. It's just the value is changing kind of in context and you may need one more tool in your toolbox or, or shed uh, that kind of gets you somewhere, you know, a, a little bit closer. And I would say, like HTML, CSS, and presentational JavaScript is enough, especially if you get into these things like, uh, uh, you know, whatchamacallit, Astro and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. it's to- totally enough. But I think I think I would add one more thing to this list is you have to know how to wire a template. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't wire up a template, JavaScript, view you know, react or whatever, maybe you don't know how all the react stuff works, but you have to work in the, be able to work in the template. Um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of minimum, whatever, what is like bare stakes or whatever <laughs> the, the, the yeah, brass yeah. tacks right now. Yeah, um, yeah. Cause all these things are just kind of, 
they're going to spit out HTML somewhere. So you need to know how to do that. And there's probably going to be some dumb big tool chain in front of it. And you're going to have to figure out how to work with or around or install dumb big tool chains. But it's like figure out dumb big tool chains, uh, learn how to change a template in that. And right. that's how your skills remain valuable. And if you do and have done that, it's like you're a hop, skip, and away. You're like, you, you might as well just fudge it on the resume and be like, yeah, I know React. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I would, honestly, I would hire you. I mean, like, I, I like. Yeah, cool. You can find in project I, and find where that particular div is and change the stuff. Cool. You know that framework then. <laughs> I, I, I would hire you for to do that for me because I do that a lot. And like, I got other fish to fry, you know, like, so it's just like these skills are valuable. You just have to figure out how your skill set fits in the new meta. Uh, we'll call it. This is a video game concept. Like there's meta, there's cool heroes or characters in a video game or uh, or con- whatever attacks or something like that. You have to figure out how your skills fit in the new meta and then w- like you do it, you know, and you can be an old dog and, and use the off brand <laughs> or off meta skills in the new meta, but you just have to kind of be either really good or just figure out a way to, to keep up. So, mm. uh, so I'm going to say, I think, having the ability to wire a template, whether it's in any framework and you feel really good about that, like I can wire a template in any language you or whatever framework you want to throw at me. I think that's important. I think that's 90% of the job, to be honest. So I'm hiring at CodePen. I'd like a Node.js specific developer, please. A very good one. You can listen to this show. That'd be cool. But although this show, front, this show is so front end focused, we're, we're hiring really specifically for back end work. You know, like yeah, I don't yeah. like that's fine if you know React or something like that. That's not going to hurt against you in any way. But I, the job is going to be back end, and I want you to like the back end and want to. That would be okay. That your whole day is dealing with back end stuff. So you know. I've, the show probably isn't the perfect fit for audience in that way, but looking for a Node.js developer, po- posted on a bunch of job boards um, and tweeted it and shared it in private circles like our Discord and stuff. I haven't I don't think we've found the, you know, the, the perfect person. Obviously, we haven't. We haven't hired anybody yet. But I will say, just for the people out there, at the risk of sounding like a complete dick, people are really super bad at applying for jobs. We've gotten lots of <laughs> we've gotten a lot of 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 applicants and their ability to just follow really simple bullet point instructions on how to apply is like two percent or something like did you even read it? Wow, yeah, unbelievable how bad that is going and and then like do you know who we are like can you write an email that doesn't sound terrible like do you to have no excitement at all about about who we are and what the job is and why you might want it like just none so there i think there's a bit of a labor shortage in that way and that the applicants are just like weirdly bad sorry if you're one of the people that applied i I apologize I'm, i'm being a dick to your face but like i guess i'm telling you that you're bad at applying for a job because you are like the just what, wow. What would you want to see? Do you want that Dan Mall thing where somebody makes a web page like specifically for why Code Pen should hire Dave Rupert? If somebody did that, you'd almost be you'd almost be immediately hired. 
You know, I mean, really? I can't, wow. I cannot promise you that, of course, you know, so I'm sure somebody will do that and then I'll have to be an even bigger dick and not hire you. But, um, I mean, but I would just think it would be incredible. It would go an incredibly long way. You know, the, the average response now is just like, hello, I am developer. I, here's a list of things I know. Angular. React. React. Yeah. Uh, Tailwind. I, I do work. <laughs> Here is my resume, and the resume just whatever. They're they're not terrible, but they're just really bland. Just not that I'm hiring a back end developer here. I don't need a magical, beautiful looking resume, but like just a little bit of taste. If you just opened up a template on most apps, they look better than what you get. You know, like where did you even find such a horrible template to use? You know, just just <laughs> just your average d- template is fine. I'm like my like wife uh, is yeah. not very career minded. That's a positive way to spin on that. But um, <laughs> like uh, I, I for the longest time, I you know she's like, oh, I don't have like the skills that somebody's looking for. But I was just like, I wish you could shake up the game and just put like at the top of a resume or something. Here's why you should hire me. You know, and for my right. wife, it's like I remember everybody's name. It's a weird thing I have. So if you have anyone comes into your office or your whatever, I'll remember their name. It's what I do. And I'll make them feel welcome. That's my superpower. Mm -hmm. Boom. Done. Like, you know, and what if that's for like, whatever tech, like, you know, hi, I'm Dave Rupert. I can wire the hell out of a template. I put on some chill tunes, some lo-fi beats, and I make your website. That's what I do. And it's pixel perfect and beautiful. Like, just say that. That's great. Hey. That would be amazing. That would be better than any applicant we've gotten so far. How can you not do that? How can it not even occur to you to write something like human sounding? To, oh, it just blows my mind. And then I just feel like, like, I think, I think the game sucks. I think the rules, you know, and what you learned in college, like, please prepare your curriculum vitae, you know. Yeah, whatever. maybe if they like, did that, they'd be auto-rejected from bigger companies looking to hire them. So they don't do, you know, like it's not their fault. The game sucks, like you said. That seems fair. I mean, just know if you happen to be listening to this that that's not the case here. I don't have like a pre-sorter machine that automates resume stuff and rejects them without looking at them. But I am rejecting some without a response that are so bad that it's like, I don't, I, you know, Alex and I were laughing that some of these seem like catfishing. They seem like you're, you're not even a real person. You're just trying to like, see if you can somehow wiggle into this system and start getting a paycheck, even though you're a bot (laughs) or something. (laughs) I saw this Reddit thread. Uh, it was like they had like 15 tech jobs at once or yeah it must have been in the discord he was like i currently have 12 jobs right now and i stay for like two weeks and then they eventually figure out i don't know anything you know and i just was like one good job pog champ that's great but like uh two wow ethical problems geez but you know again it's some people don't get it you know like i don't know um and I don't know. I, I think there's, yeah, I, I wonder too, if it's like knowing the company culture or, or even just the size or the vibe of the place you're applying. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I think the game sucks too, though. That's what I'll say. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean to just blame LinkedIn. everybody, but, but I'd love to see some candidates that like actually have an interest in working at CodePen and building something really cool and being a part of a small team and with equity and freaking. 
have a chance to do something really cool with us, I hope. I mean, I would think that's appealing to some people out there, even though there is a, what seems like a labor shortage. Well, I wonder if there's, I, I, you know, as much as we're like, oh, you got everyone's full stack now, I wonder if like true node developers are very few, you know, like maybe, or they're up to their armpits and work, you know, so. I mean, we, we thought it'd be really hard to find a Go developer and it's not like we were overwhelmed with that, but we had a handful of candidates that we thought were pretty good and hired the best of them. That was mm-hmm. earlier. That was more pandemic-y. I thought that would be harder because of what a, it's just a little bit rarer of a language. There's, there's just more node developers, you think? Good thing, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. People who are node developers actually work on Node. So. <laughs> or are like whatever CTOs of startups. But like Deno is cool. Like maybe we should have mentioned that. I mean, like, I don't know that that's going to be perfect for us, but like, do you think there's some excitement around that at least? I bet there's one dork out there who's like, Oh, an opportunity to write in Ditto? <laughs> yeah. I will I will do that. But you know, same diff to y'all. I'm sure you don't care. But um uh, interesting. Right. Well, I'll take your leftovers if you have a, a good candidate. You can't Oh yeah. <laughs> that. That's cool. Oh, we'll uh, give you we'll give you the scraps. Now there's not even scraps yet. Sorry. Well, okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Debug Bear. That's uh, debugbear.com slash shop talk. You go get a free trial if you go there. It's performance monitoring for your website in which that you install nothing. So the setup time for this is pretty darn fast. I've had it set up on CSS Tricks. It's so good. I really like it. So it's, you know, it's one thing to just like hit your website, look, see what's going on with it, get a bunch of performance information. And then it's another thing to set that up on a schedule, to be continually doing it. That way you can graph it over time and see how you're doing. Set up alerts that's like, if this drops below this or above this, that's a problem and I want to be notified of it. That's vital stuff. That's grown-up stuff on the web, doing what's right for your website because you're you're monitoring it. And this is stuff like Lighthouse scores and Web Core Vitals and your load times and tracking errors in production and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I got an alert when I had a HTML problem, like an unclosed tag kind of thing. That's wonderful. Debug Bear is, uh, is super cool for this, and I'm really compelled by how easy it is to use. Uh, pretty darn nice. Thanks, Debug Bear, for the sponsorship. Hey, uh, we've got another question here. Well, what do you think? One more question is sure. Uh, or so? Meredith, Meredith mm-hmm. Grubbs writes in Hi, Chris and Dave. Been really enjoying the show. Self taught. Uh, and have a couple of freelancing projects under my belt. I'm definitely learning uh, and cool. starting to feel like I've gone from <laughs> fully understanding what you're talking, or I've gone from fully understanding what you're talking about 10 to 20% of the time to 40 to 50%. Ooh. Awesome. Level up, Meredith. <laughs> I'm uh, only at like 70%. So, yeah, yeah, I'm riding high. <laughs> if I hit 70, I'm doing good. Um, uh, I have questions about billing clients. Recently, when my clients had an error pop up on their site that needed resolving, error was an error in an area. I'm error in an area uh, I was pretty unfamiliar with server, Cloudflare hosting, etc. Um, so I spent a lot of time researching and fixing the problem. 
Uh, I spent about four hours total on the error, but I only billed her for an hour because the rest of the time was me learning uh, something I would have known how to do if I was more experienced. Uh, my thinking was it's not appropriate to bill a client for something the average freelancer would know how to do. Uh, future me won't spend four hours on that problem. Uh, it's not fair to pass that cost off on the client. My client, however, who is really amazing, sent me an email saying she knew I spent more than an hour on the problem and was sure I didn't want to bill her more. Question That's mark. a pretty good uh, client, I guess. Interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, feels like I'm trying to pick and choose uh, what's appropriate to bill. So. It seems like you're fretting over something very small and that's okay it's not like you shouldn't you know but it's just like a just like you're early in a lot of the other sub journeys that you're trying to take you're probably a little early in this one too and and i don't know that it's just stuff is gonna be i think you should worry more about where you spent 40 hours than four kind of thing and i would probably have billed for the four hours because I think everybody does. There's there's always some some degree of learning that happens. I mean, the learning about the client themselves and their needs is the same kind of learning that researching a Cloudflare issue is. And I would say that the average freelancer definitely doesn't know every Cloudflare issue there is and how to fix it. So like those four hours were were billable. But I'd say the answer on whether you should or shouldn't bill for it is more complicated than did I have to learn or not? It's just, I think there's there's more of like, am I going to piss off this client or not? You know, there's just more factors than just like, was it fair or not? If it was just fairness, bill for all four hours for sure. You know, I, I think there's a few ways you could go about it. I think one is as a freelancer, right? Like you're, you're going to have to factor in learning time into your costs. Like, like the chances of your hours being a hundred percent billable, like 40 billable hours a week is probably pretty low, you know, like you know, so, so you're going to want to like, whatever, have that cost factored in. So either your rates raised to where if you lose three hours, you know, researching it's, it doesn't hurt you that much. Or, you know, you could take the hit and say, that's a learning experience. Uh, now I know that's great. Um, you could, uh, you know, I, I think if you're going to like recommend the server Cloudflare or whatever the problem was to other clients, I think like it's worth you knowing and learning and eating that cost. But, you know, another thing you could do is like maybe try to upsell. I, that sounds like gross or whatever, but like, you know, Hey, I fixed this. It took about an hour. Uh, sorry for the delay, but, uh, like, is there anything else I can do for you? So like roll that, that sunk cost into like more business or something like that. So where it'll kind of average out in time or something like that. So, so it doesn't feel like you just lost half a day, uh, for like to learn how to the flush cash button works or whatever, you know, like, uh, I think there's different ways you can like recoup the costs if, if you decide to just lose the hours. Um, that said, you know, like, they're paying for your time and your time was four hours. So you could totally bill for four hours. Uh, um, but if you feel guilty about that or whatever, you know, you could say two or three, you know, like 
whatever split the difference or something like that so yeah yeah that's it's really i don't know but don't you know don't go cheap on yourself like that's why i'm saying kind of like either try to turn it into other business or you know if it's uh or put build it into your costs build research or you know learning stuff into your costs or um like you know now just use Cloudflare or whatever, the same hosting setup for something else. But if it was like a problem with email, 100% I'm billing all four hours. You know, it's like, oh, my email did a weird, you know, like, oh, cool. <laughs> that's four hours. I don't know how email works, you know. So that's what I would say. Hopefully that helps, Meredith. I'm sorry I'm not help- helpful. I don't have any. I would say that, you know, part of me says that it worked against you a little bit here. The fact that they had to write you back and say, we know that it took you longer than that. Why didn't you bill more? is is them it feels like they're patting your head a little bit and that's not a great place to be they want to be they want to look up to you as a real source of somebody who really knows what they're doing and instead they're having to hold your hand a little bit that's not the whole story but it feels like that a little bit and it's just i don't think a place you want to be yeah yeah you maybe want you're not in the alpha seat uh, right now, you know, mm. like, uh, so maybe, yeah, it is like just be like, Oh no, no, I don't bill for, you know, whatever educational hours or, you know, you could just say that or something like that, you know, um, mm-hmm. or like research that shouldn't be on y'all. Don't worry about, it. you know, like you just, I don't know, make it sound like it's something you do <laughs> over and over and over, you know, I don't know. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Well, should we wrap it up, Dave? Yeah, we can wrap it up. Hey, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Just be sure to start her favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. And join us over in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Shoptalkshow.com.